0: I mean, Barker, where do you want to start? 6-5. Blue Jays beating the Boston Red Sox. 10 innings. Rymel Tapia walking it off with a sacrifice fly. Bo Bichette scoring. Terrific outing from Kevin Gossman. Shaky relief work from Jimmy Garcia. Ballsy relief work from Jordan Romano. George Springer sends it to extra innings with a home run. And then Rymel Tapia. A 9 pitch at bat and Kevin as we wait for our callers to call us at 416-870-0590 star 591 590 Kevin talk to me about a left-handed hitter standing in against a guy like Matt Strom with that crossfire action you you noticed you said something to me right away when that at bat started talk to me about what that's <coughs> like and, and what uh-huh. Rymel Tapia did there
1: Yeah, if you've noticed, too, uh, Rymel Tapia stands really far off the plate. Excuse me, stands really far off the plate, and whenever he's doing that, it's a guy that has a little bit of crossfire to his his ball the way – the way Strom does, it's very hard to pick up the, the release point. He, you know, it's coming out all the hair and, and the elbows and the knees are all coming at you, and it's coming, you know, across your body. So, basically, instead of laying your chin on your front shoulder, you sort of got to put more tension on your neck to turn it so you can actually see release point from a guy that's that far over on the first base side of the rubber. And you standing that far off the plate, you got to have some kind of plate coverage. And like that ninth pitch, you saw how far that was off the plate? And you just trying to flip that thing into the outfield – Look, the you know we talk about bat to ball skills. You notice the the balls that he even fouls off is, it's almost uh, you know impossible just to do the the little things that he does to to extend at bats and and, you know, try and get a ball in the outfield. That little – he had just enough uppercut in his swing on that ball down to create enough backspin to get it in the outfield so Bo could score there. That's exactly what your doctor ordered, right? You had your superstar come up, go back next city on a 2-1 heater right down the middle. You get it, you don't miss it, and then you have a guy come up like that who's facing a tough lefty that has a nine-pitch at bat. That's That sort of the sums up the Blue Jays' season so far.
0: Yeah, and it's – well, you know, for for Charlie Montoya – I mean, I'm looking at this game. You you could not you could not script like the first seven innings of this game any better. Kevin Gossman was tremendous. He is now what he's he's not walked a batter so far this year. He's 31 strikeouts, no walks. It's the first player in Blue Jays history with no walks in the first four, in his first four stout, starts. It was dominant. You've got it set up perfectly. You're going to go to Jimmy Garcia. This is what you want. You want him, and then you want to be able to turn it over to Romano. And this is exactly how you, how you map it out. And Garcia's been so good, and he's got some swing and miss stuff, and he doesn't have it. And he gives it up. Then you end up needing Romano to come into the game. Of course, you have the ghost runner situation. The runners move to third on Verdugo's ground out. Bogarts comes, it's a screamer back to Romano. And then all we talked about today in Blair and Barker was you'd like to see a little more swing and miss stuff in the bullpen. J.D. Martinez, last three pitches, 98-99-98. Thank you for coming. Sit down. The Jays win it on a walk-off. And like I said, it, it's it, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm sure the Jays are looking at, at, at this thing being scripted out and thinking, this is going just according to plan. Then you get into extra innings. And I wanted to ask you, I don't think we have a problem with Will Venables intentionally walking Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And poor Will Venables. Keep in mind, he's managing the team because Alex <laughs> cora got COVID, right? Yeah. So, Will yeah. Venables, you know, nice job. Thanks for coming. Stay hot. Basically, you, <laughs> your, your bullpen implodes on you. Um, you know, your starting pitcher's got very little going on. And then, but he made the right decision, I think, intentionally walking Guerrero. Alejandro Kirk comes up. We got to talk about that at bat. He draws a walk, a seven pitch at bat. He draws a walk. I know some people are, I'm sure at some, some point somebody's saying drop a bunt to, but you can't do that with Kirk. There's a chance that there may be a double play there. It's just, you know, that's just, you, 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 you can't ask guys to do what they can't do, basically. In that situation, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it pays off.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that's the case. Is it's, it's a little of a couple of things. It's Kirk probably doesn't really know how to bunt, and you mentioned it there. You know he's not a very good runner, so if he lays down a bad bunt, you could turn a double play there. But I, I think, too, it has a lot to do with Chapman strikes out a lot. So mm-hmm. if you lay the bunt down, you know, at least now you have three hitters in a row that you're given a chance to to drive yeah. in a run instead right. of two hitters because of that Chapman thing and the way – how about him taking a fastball right down the middle with with the bases loaded and less than two outs? Just – you know, I talk about this all the time on Blair and Barker, why these guys guess so much with as many hard throwers as they're facing. Why are you guessing with the bases loaded? Get, get in an athletic position ready for velocity and adjust to everything else, taking a ball down the middle. <clears throat> There's really no excuse for that. But, again, you know, you, you have guys – at the bottom of the order, especially Espinall, uh, Ghost K was good. He had some decent at-bats. Zimmer, yeah, he's more of a defensive player. Tapia's having those quality at-bats. You know, his level swing, he's got plate coverage. He can he can have a, a give you a quality at-bat against a tough left-hander. They're doing the things they need to do to win. They're not clicking. Runners in scoring position, they chase too much, they overswing. Uh, you know, Bo is – There's a lot Bo, of that you going tell on in baseball, Bo, though, Bark. There's a lot of that there, going there on in Baseball right now. You know you know what it was to me too today? Bo after his first at bat, he hit that elevated fastball a little bit to right center and I think he thought he got it. And True. whenever you hit a ball decently hard like that and you don't get it, what do you do that you're next to the bat? You overswing. You want to try and crush the baseball and you tend to expand and then when you expand because you're overswinging, you got a little bit of a longer swing and you're missing baseball is sort of what he's doing. So with all things considered, with everything that happened tonight, you come away with the win? Man, can't argue about that.
0: 12-6 and six are the Toronto Blue Jays. They've won 6-7. of seven. Game 3 of the series goes tomorrow night at the Rogers Center. Let's go to the phone line. Stephen Hamilton. Steve thinks this is one of those games that we're going to look back on at the end of the year and say that was a vital win, don't you, Steve?
2: But a small ball, too, when Charlie sent both runners. But uh, it had everything. Uh, stay in one run with Boston in two six, so you knew more, to, more baseball was coming. But uh, it showed the depths of this team. And, and like uh, Kevin was saying, the cast of characters, uh, I didn't expect to have these newer players uh, performing. I knew Espinal was great, but uh, I think this is going to be indicative of our season. And we're going to look back on this stretch here as being pivotal. And I want to see what you think about that.
0: Yeah, uh, well, Kevin, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a little early to be pivotal, but you are playing. You're you're playing the teams. You're playing teams you're going to have to beat to get into the playoffs, basically. And you're also playing the Houston Astros, a team that you may end up meeting in the playoffs. you're, You're in a tough run of games early in the year, and we've all talked about how you know, hitters aren't in sync yet, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. All this stuff. That doesn't matter. You're, you're playing tough games at this point of the year. And, and at this stage of the year, for me, it's just about winning the games. I don't care how you do it. As long as guys aren't getting hurt, as long as my starting pitchers are are getting built up, that's all I care about. Win the games. Win them sloppily. Win them in grand fashions. Win them when the other team throws the game away. I don't care. Just put the wins in the bank keep your guys healthy and get your starting pitchers built up that's all i want out of these games ain't no there's no artistic merit points at this at this stage of the season a win is a win is a win is a win
1: yeah, I think to Steve's point, it's, it's a team win. You know, right now the superstars that they have, George Springer's getting his hits. Vladdy hasn't hit a home run in 10 games. Like, you know, it's they're, they're going through a process of whatever that is. You know, they're trying to get Teoscar back. They're trying to get fully healthy. And to be able to win these games the way they're winning them, they sort of have that feel of – Sort of when 15, 2015 was, it's only a matter of time before they do something to win the game, right? It's it's just sort of got that feel to it that they're never out of it. You know, Springer's going to come up and and do something special. Bo's going to come up and hit a grand slam when he has to when he's struggling so bad. You know, he he can't do anything right. It looks like at the plate, it's just seems like everything's sort of starting to fall into place when they need it the most. And th- this is this is the way you win. The American League East is—you have to have games like this. You have to be able to win games like this, especially at home, right? You have to have home field advantage for for me to win the American League East and go where you want to go. You got to be somewhere in that twenty games above five hundred at, at home to mm-hmm. take a little pressure off you on the road. And I think they're headed in the right direction. They're using the crowd to their advantage, and you can see it when George Springer hit that home run. He's fired up, man. That that crowd, and it just it brings a little something to you. It makes you want to go up to your bats and and, and zone in a little yeah. bit more when it matters the most
0: yeah I mean there was a whole lot going on in this game the Red Sox had issues with pitch calm. I I mean there was you know the five-man infield uh which you know, I love I see teams utilize it but all of this all of this stuff going on and as we said bottom line is Ryan El Tapia delivers sacrifice fly and we've got to talk about Tapia Espinal Kato and Zimmer, especially the first three guys in particular. Kevin, again, Santiago Espinal. uh, Three for three. The walk. Um, An RBI. Scores a run. Again, this guy is at the center of everything this team does. He's got a hand in it.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you notice something too. He's getting so good at his game where he feels comfortable enough to make adjustments at bat to at bat. You need us in his second at bat when he hit when he when he got one of the big hits that he got. He he eliminated the leg kick. He had the little toe tap or not the toe tap, but the knee turn where he wasn't raising his front foot off the ground just to give him a chance against that big giant breaking ball. You know, you got a guy on the mound who's six five who does the iron mic. So you got to figure where you have to look at at release point and you're just trying to give yourself a chance to at least barrel up a baseball and for him to be able to go up and make adjustments like that at bat to at bat, it's, it's sort of special, right? It's, it's, you know, he's, he's learning from guys hitting in front of him, the ways they're getting pitched. He's going up and, and zoning in and trying to find a good pitch to hit. he get the head out too. I like that about him, right? It, no matter how hard you throw in it, he's getting the head out, which is kind of nice to see, see too. Cause that means he's, he's actually looking for something hard. Getting in that athletic position, driving down through the baseball. He's you know, he's for me anyway, solidified that second base spot all year.
0: Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety, star five ninety on your cell. Triple eight, triple six, zero five ninety. Mike in London, um, you've got a question. You wanted right, do you think this has got the makings? And I know you want to ask this, but do you think this has got the makings of a great team?
2: Well, I, I do think it does. Um Jeff, and I'm really impressed, not only that they're winning, but how they're winning. And they're a very, very good team. I think we all agree with that. It's I think they're pegged to go deep, and we all hope they do that. But what do you guys think makes uh, a great team, a team that goes from a very good team like they are to great? And if we were to categorize them, would we say the Dodgers are right now a great team in the league? And, and what does it take to get to that level? What do you think they need? I love the fact that uh, you guys say often they are a handful to play. I think some opposing managers have said that, and it's great. I don't think there's many teams that want to face the Blue Jays right now. So I'm just uh, curious about your thoughts, guys. And, Kevin, I think you should be a manager one day. I'm serious about that. Thanks, guys. Uh,
0: then I oh, have I appreciate to get another that. partner. I would not want that. That would be a drag. <laughs> Although I would love your pregame interviews. It would be great. Especially it if I had be.
1: a bad, if I had a bad, if I had a bad day, bringing in the wrong guy, and, and Jeff Blair raised his hand and wanted me to ask <laughs> ask me a question that I didn't like, yeah.
0: <laughs> which you know would happen. You know it would happen. Well, of course, of course, <laughs> it would happen. I would make it a point to uh, to ask that question. Interesting question. Absolutely. Look this. Uh, the the Dodgers. Yeah, to me, the Dodgers are a great team. I I was going to say the simple thing is great teams have great players. I I think Kevin, a great team has a great starting pitcher it's got a guy it's got the guy sometimes they have two guys but to me that's what differ. that one of the things that differentiates a great team is is you got that guy and look early days but kevin gossman has has ticked all the boxes so far he's ticked all the boxes so far dennis eckersley tonight talking about his splitter a splitter is unhittable. I mean, you sent me a text during the game, and you just said, "How do? You, what do you do against that pitch?" I mean, you you can't do anything to it. You just can't. There's no point in swinging at it because if you make contact, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, well, that's what yeah, separates. The, you know, I think that's the thing. Great teams have that great, great, great starting pitcher.
1: Yeah, they they need they need some surprises too, right? Santiago Espinoff, for me is depth. That'll be a surprise if he can continue to do the things he's doing. You have to have a really good defense. I think they're they're trying to figure out catch the routine ball. You know, you, not everybody's going to be able to make special plays, but if you catch the routine ball, if not uh, m- most of the time, all the time. They're starting to do those things. They got a they got a really good defense on the at third base, which I think helps out because of the pitchers that they have: sinker ball guys, Alec Manoa's, Jose Barrios's. They're not afraid to throw their best pitch in the the counts that matter because of the defense on the left side of the infield, especially at third base. Uh, You know, up the middle defense, you got George Springer in the the infield, in the outfield, and center field. I think their defense is there. I think offensively they're not healthy yet. That'll get better, but I'm with you. They need a surprise. They need great starting pitching, and so far they got both of those.
0: The Toronto Blue Jays have walked off the Boston Red Sox 6-5. to A walk-off win is sweet, but come on, let's admit it. Let's admit it. It's always, always sweeter when you've walked off the Red Sox. We can say it. 416-870-0590 Star 591 666 590 Back to the phone lines. This is Blue Jays Talk on SportsNet 590, the fan. Tiger under the box, the pitch. There's a swing and a shot. Straight away
1: center field. Hernandez back at the wall. He leaves. It's gone.
0: George Springer ties the game. A two-out, two-run home run in the bottom of the ninth. That is Ben Wagner with the call. George Springer sent it to extra innings. Jordan Romano kept it alive in the 10th. And Rymel Tapia, hands up if you had him being your Jays offensive star. Put your hand down, Barker. Hands up if you had him being your Jays offensive star tonight. He delivers the game-winning sacrifice fly. 6-5 the Jays walk off the Boston Red Sox. And now, it's perfect time for the Bet365 standings update. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. And Kevin, as we take a look at the American League East, the Blue Jays, 12-6, and six, they have a two-game lead. No, they've got a half-game lead. The Yankees are 11-6, and six, the standings I'm looking at right now. Uh, Tampa Bay is 9-8. and eight, And uh, they've got a game lead. Tampa Bay is 9-8. and eight. The Boston Red Sox are 7-11. Baltimore is 6-11. Ba- Tampa Bay, by the way, tonight had, had just a, an atrocious game against Seattle. I don't know if you had a chance to catch any of it. I mean, they the definition of throwing away a game <laughs> yeah. was what Tampa Bay did. Not normal no. for the Tampa nope. They threw away a game. So... There you go. The Blue Jays uh, doing what they have to do in the American League East. They are absolutely doing what they have to do in the American League East. And, um, you know, if you're, again, we talked about this run of games. It's the Red Sox, the Astros, and the Yankees. I mean, these are, you got a whole bunch of Baltimore Orioles coming up. Later in the season, if you can if you can take care of business against the Red Sox, especially the Red Sox right now, if you can take care of the Red Sox, while well, they don't have Chris Sale. They don't have Tanner Houck up here because of the covid restrictions. Uh, you know, uh, if you could take care of if you can take care of the Red Sox now, that's that is a uh, that is a legit, a legit feather in your cap. Stephen Hamilton, you've got some big, big, big ambitions for this team, but. I think I think you might I might need to get you one of those Mikey defibrillators or something based on 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 your reaction to the Jays so far. They're uh they are making your heart race, aren't they? Hi, yeah, first of all, I mean, yeah, they're going to kill us by June with the amount of games we're playing like this. I mean, just so exciting. I mean, never die. Now my question is, and maybe this is just because of excitement. Do you think this team could be the first
2: team in franchise history to win 100 games because they've never done it?
0: Oof. Uh, I mean, what did vegas what did we say f- thanks for the call sam what did they say at the, the start of the year what were we looking at at 92 92 uh, <sighs> no I, I i just look i as someone who picked all four teams from the American League east to go to the playoffs i kind of sort of hope they don't <laughs> don't get 100 wins cuz if, <laughs> if they get 100 wins i don't see any way that those other three teams are go, are, are going to make the playoffs. Look, I, that's why I think it's so important you win these games. Now, it is the American League East. It's I, yeah, hundred games, man. I'm I'm not I'm not ready to I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, I would be I would be content with with ninety odd wins out of this team. I really would. You you say Kikuchi would have to
1: be great, not good, for them to win hundred games. Uh, they'd have to stay healthy throughout the entire season. George Springer's going to have to play 145-plus games. Teoscar Hernandez is going to have to come back and not miss any more games. Bo and Vladio will have to stay healthy all all year. There, That's a lot to ask. Your bullpen has to be this bullpen that we're seeing, minus tonight. There but was a also, few hiccups in the bullpen tonight. It's also the division, too.
0: I, 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 it I, is. I just – there's – I mean, they're, they're, these teams are going to – but you know at some point, you know at some point that the Jays are going to lose. They're, they're, they're going to lose three or four to the Yankees or two or three to the Red Sox or something like that. Or maybe even get I mean, swept by. I mean, it's just going to happen. It's going to happen because of the strength of these teams. They haven't even talked about Tampa Bay. We all know what Tampa Bay does does to the Jays. I mean, yeah. that's the difference between the Jays and a team like the Dodgers. I mean, The Dodgers really, yeah, I guess San, Diego's, San Diego could be a factor. But if you're the Dodgers, you've got a much easier run to 100 games to 100 wins I should say than a team like the like the Blue Jays do. You now you just you yeah, just It's just very it is very hard too to go to Fenway
1: Park and win games, go to New York and win games, go to go to Tampa which they have a real tough time going there and winning games. Uh, I'm with you. It's it's not the easiest thing to do. But I will say this, I like the Jays defense. I do think that's a plus. I know they've had some hiccups at shortstop, and they're trying to iron those things out, and, and just the little little plays in the outfield thrown to the wrong base and, and giving the guy the extra base when they're, when they're not supposed to. They're trying to iron those things out. But I really do like their defense. I think they're more athletic in the outfield, which today's age, because all these guys are trying to hit the ball in the air. you got to run and get it. With your Springer in center field and, and Zimmer, when he fills in, you're seeing him flying all over the place mm-hmm. and the jumps he gets. So I do really like their outfield defense. I think their infield defense is really good with, with Matt Chapman and Santiago Espinal has solidified and making Bo Bichette's defensive woes a little bit easier to take just because he can cover ground over there. and I, So I do like that. I think I think that's going to help out and, and get some pitchers through some tough spots and, and get them a couple extra wins. 100 wins is a lot to ask. I'll take, I'll take winning the division with 96 wins. I'm good with that.
0: Yeah, I I would absolutely be good with that, and and you know, further to your point about about the defense, um, I know there are people out there who are still gonna be, are are still gonna be focusing on on Bo and and Bo's defense, um, yeah, it, it's I I we I mean, we just we have to put that we have to put that to bed, uh, it, it's not it, it it doesn't it doesn't matter what you think to to be quite honest, I mean they're not moving them off shortstop, <laughs> they're just not it's. It's one of those things. You can, if if you want to pull your hair out worrying about Bobuchetta's shortstop, go ahead. But it ain't gonna make any difference. It's not. It's not changing anything. And I'm I'm with Barker in this. I think this infield defense with with Matt Chapman. I called him a defensive weapon earlier in the areas. He's he's a defensive weapon. Santiago Espinal at second base is making all the plays. And it's early days and all that. But the Jays do seem to be mastering using the shift. And there was another example tonight of the four-man outfield being used. Now, in in the end, it didn't matter because Rafael Devers ended up scoring anyhow. But they had the four-man outfield out there against Rafael Devers. He hits a single. Without the four-man outfield, it would have been a double. He comes in and scores. I get that. But my point is the Jays are doing... The Jays are doing a lot of things defensively strategically that are really making their, it has really raised their defensive game to another level. And another thing you can't overlook their catcher or their catchers, their pitchers can also field their position as well. And we've seen that come in, come in a couple, a a couple of times this year already. So I'm with you. I I think, I think the uh, look, if you win a lot of one run games, whether it's April, May, September, August, whatever, if you win a lot of one-run games, chances are you're doing it because you've got good defense and a bullpen.
1: That's, that's that's a great point. For me, anyway, there's a lot of sense of urgency. You watch these games, the way Charlie's managing games, the way Pete Walker and Charlie are having conversations early in games to match up the right guy when it comes crunch time. And obviously, tonight Garcia didn't have his best outing, but they had the right guys in the right spots, and that's that's the key thing here. And it is amazing how good teams can look with great starting pitching. Have you noticed that you, you can hide a lot of things with great starting pitching and you're getting that, you know, those guys, you got to add Alec Manoa to the mix. If they can figure out you say Kikuchi and then fill in that other spot with Stripling and whoever else they want to run out there and you get Teoscar Hernandez back. That that would get rid of some of the Collins hitting cleanup and and Kirk hitting fifth, which I don't really like. That you know he's more for me anyway a, a sixth or seventh, in, in hitting in in the lineup. So it just sort of feels in the, in all the places. I just I like the sense of urgency. I like that they didn't wait doing all of these shifts until it was too late. They they did it from the get. And I think that will tell you that the expectations for this season from the top down is a big deal.
0: Alan in Toronto, you're going to take us home tonight. I'm on the air now? Okay.
2: Yeah, you are, Alan. Go ahead. Are you in a cab still? Uh, Yeah. No, no, I'm retired now. Okay. Uh, I agree with Bosox walking lightly because, uh, you know, he's a dangerous hitter and uh, he set up the force. You know, his run doesn't matter. You know, the ghost runner is the only one that matters. And if the score is tied and you've got a ghost runner in the bottom of the ninth, or I should say the bottom of the extra inning, I I would steal a base right away immediately. If the guy has any kind of speed at all, he should try and steal a base because you you force the infield to play in, and the outfielders are are like rovers. You know, they're they're very, very shallow. Anything hit deep and it's going to be over. And I say that it is less risky. I mean, it's risky to steal any base. Runners are thrown out all the time, but I say it's less risky – to steal third than it is to steal second. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Alan,
0: I think the thing is you you have to approach extra innings in the ghost runner. You have to manage it differently if you're the home team and the road team. I I, I really believe that. I think you have to manage the the situation uh, much differently uh, than uh, you know if the, the, at home compared to compared to on the road. Um, but if really- you, you
2: know if you steal third you i i hear the argument that it's only a the catcher's only throwing 60 feet instead of 90 That's, feet so it's no one's risky. gonna
0: no one wants to get no one wants to get thrown out at third base with with none out in an inning it's they're, they're not taking that risk
2: Here's, thanks uh, for the
0: call alan i appreciate it um yeah i, I mean there's any there's any way you can handle the ghost runner situation but kevin i think we're on the same page here at the home team and the road team. I think you approach extra innings differently.
1: If you if you're a manager and you're the home team and you just kept the other team from scoring with the ghost runner at second base, and you steal and get thrown out, if I'm a GM, I if I got issues with that. Like, like I, I'm you basically, basically you've me. got to give <laughs> I'm away. I'm not gonna you like got, that. You
0: got a note to give away. <laughs> I'm not gonna. You can, you can bunt. I'm not gonna like that. Yeah, you you can. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know yeah. Alan's trying. Alan's trying to think, trying to think creatively there, and and I mean, who the hell knows he the way this team plays? Maybe at some point we'll see that happen. But um, I, that's it's one reason I really like the ghost runner. I, it was one of the innovations baseball brought in right away. And normally I'm a little, I need to be sold on something when baseball tries something new. But Kevin, when they brought this in, I thought this is great because it. Creates strategy. At the end of the day, I don't like stuff that takes away from the strategy of the game. That's why banning the shift. Man, yeah, it's going to happen. I get that. There's going to be some sort of restriction. Yeah, I generally don't like taking away from any strategic aspect of the game. And Kevin, I think the ghost runner that opens a whole can of worms strategically for a manager because now you've got it's one of the few times in a baseball game where the manager's job where not managing the bullpen becomes the most important thing. Now you're basically like an offensive coordinator and you're trying to orchestrate a run in a do or die situation. I, I think it's a I think it's just genius. I love the ghost runner. I don't want to watch baseball without it anymore. I'm going to speak
1: as a fan and not as an ex-player, I love it. It keeps me glued to the TV set. It keeps me involved. Do you bunt or don't you? Do you try and hit behind the runner or don't you? What, what do you do? Do you intentionally walk a guy like you did, Vladdy? There's so many things that I'm actually sitting on my couch thinking about. If I was the manager, what would I do? Would I have done that? How dare you? Why did you do that? It keeps me involved instead of me walking away extra innings. You've been in those games where they're so long that you want nothing to do with them. You've never heard of the guys that are coming into the game wanting to pitch because it's so late. Now it keeps you involved and, and you want to manage along with the, with the actual managers. I'm with you. I love it.
0: Uh, let's talk a little bit about Kevin Gossman before we go again. Another masterful performance, no walks hitting 90. He hit 98, at least once that I saw, uh, talk about his ability to use the elevated, to, to, to use the elevated fastball tonight. Yeah, it got, it got a little better.
1: The the one thing that that stood out to me was the 19 swing and misses and 11 of those were swings outside the zone. That, for me, will tell you everything you need to know. He doesn't throw over 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. For him to be able to do that with you know, for me anyway, he didn't have the slider. He was choking that off, he was overthrowing it in the first inning. You could tell the front side whenever he would throw it, it would end up in over towards the first base side, he just could not feel get the feel of it and have it started as a strike and ended up as a ball the way he wanted to throw it, most of them were non competitive pitches. So basically he did that with two pitches. And for him to be able to have that swing and, uh, that many swing and misses and that many swing and misses outside the zone will tell you that you ask me all the time, what would I do against the split finger? I'd be a couple of those 11 swings out of the zone is what (laughs) I'd be doing. (laughs) That's how I would approach it. So for me, I text you and I said, "That's that's the best pitch in baseball. And I'm not afraid to say it right now. That is, he has the best pitch in baseball. There's no way to game plan for it. You could see the Red Sox were going up looking for it and they still could not do anything with it. That will tell you deception, tunneling, arm speed, everything you need to do to hide that thing, he is doing. He repeats it. He throws it for strikes. He dominates people with it.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of odd looks from Red Sox hitters tonight. (laughs) Not just at the home plate (laughs) umpire as well. Some odd looks about some of those balls that were hit in the air and died. There's some... I I don't know if it's a conspiracy... There's something going on. There's something funky with the baseballs. You know what? We're going to talk about that tomorrow in Blair and Barker. All right, We'll talk about Maybe a little bit of conspiracy theory here about baseballs. We'll do that tomorrow on Blair and Barker. So that is it for us. Again, the final score of the Blue Jays. Walk off the Red Sox 6-5. Game three of the series is tomorrow night at Rogers Center. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans.